This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And welcome back to an episode of the Clear Jets podcast. Where it was Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Michael, we have a very special guest on the line. This is a this is a guy I, I very much consider a friend of the podcast. Uh, we've played a few games of Madden, me and this this special guest, and I have to say that uh, he's not very good, uh, but he's a damn good uh, football reporter. And I think he's been a great addition um, to the to the beat uh, covering the Jets. And that's DJ Enemy. DJ, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Chill out on the you're not good at Madden. You beat me with the Packers, and I had the Jets. I'm just saying I, that right? was your call. I said I said I would beat you with the Dolphins, and then I also said I would go back and beat you with the Jets. Oh, I, don't, I don't think you'd beat me with the Dolphins. The, fir- the first game, the first game we played, he did he did uh take me to town. But since then, I think yeah, I might have beat him. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you beat me. You beat me. You know, with with you beat me since. But it's all good though. Like, like when I think the Ravens though, I really I really smash you. With no, with no, with who, no do you, who, who do you think would give you the the closest? Uh, you know, uh, game on the team out of players on the team. If you had to play somebody, who do you think right. would have the highest That's a question? I don't. It depends who plays Madden the most. Cause like you know, there are a lot of NFL guys actually aren't good at Madden because they don't have one enough time to play. <laughs> yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah, that's I, not the case with me. Yeah, I generally do not know. Like, I, I haven't asked enough to know which guys actually like play Madden a lot. You know, like so. Probably not many. Um, but what was your uh, your first year covering the team like? I mean, before we get into anything, because you joined like right around now, right? Yeah, I mean, um, right now it was February 12th. Like, uh, I started March 22nd of last year. So we're almost a year to the date, but I mean, it's been fun. Um, you, I learned a lot, you know, I made a lot of mistakes, and obviously you learn from those mistakes, but um, you get a real understanding of what being an NFL beat reporter looks like um, from all angles, good, bad, middle of the pack, what matters, what doesn't matter, um, what sells, what doesn't sell, what people care about, what people don't care about. Um, it, I learned like a shit ton, bro. I'm not going to lie. Because, um, you know, you come into it thinking that you have it kind of figured out. Um they go, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to write about these topics consistently. You realize, like, people don't really care. Like, like X's and O's, I thought, like, you know, I came in, I was going to write a lot about X's and O's. And, like, there has to be a balance, and it matters, but you have to understand your audience is usually just a middle-aged guy or, you know, a younger guy or whatever, old man that works, <laughs> has a regular life, that they watch the Jets, and then they go home, complain about them, and that's it. They're not trying to, like, 
learned that much about like X's and O's. They care a little bit about it, but um, that can't be like, I learned as a B report, that can't be my bread and butter. Like it has to be like in the toolbox. So I think one thing I learned was having a plethora of, tool, um, of items that I could dig into the toolbox with. So there's the, I'm working, I can't write about, I can write about X's and O's. And then you can write about some game plan stuff. I learned like how to just mesh all that together um, write about the controversy, columns, um, you know, just that entire process of understanding that you have to cover so many different lanes, you know, it just can't be one specific lane as a beat reporter, which I didn't know that uh, coming in. Um, so that was, that was probably like the most, um, the I won't say the steepest learning curve, but probably my biggest takeaway. So again, you have to cover quite literally everything, you know, like you got to, obviously right about the team the <laughs> but then you have to also like build sources which is not that easy and I, you know i kind of learned that most people that break stories come transaction is just because you know an agent that that tips you something that's that's about it like that's why you know i'm adam Schefter, they break all the stories because they're not nah, i mean they are pretty much locked in with a lot of agents you know so and the agents are going to tell those guys a story first before they tell like a regular beat reporter the teams aren't going to really go out their way to tell you i mean some some guys will tell you but not not for real so you know just learning that aspect and obviously improving my writing and understanding like time management because once the season gets going like it's it's the days fly by i mean it was just it felt like it was yesterday when it was august 1st you know we were in training camp and zach was quote unquote holding out and <laughs> And before you know it, like, it was week 12 or week 13, whatever it was, when Zach came back against Houston. So, like, you know, there's so much that I learned from year one that I can apply to year two. But overall, though, it was fun, man. Like, I enjoyed everything that came with being on the beat, especially, like, you know, the fans going crazy on Twitter. Like, that's pretty fun to engage with them and poke fun at them from time to time. Yeah, and speaking of the fans, I mean – you're easily the most active beat reporter on Twitter. I mean, you're probably the most active Jets person on Twitter. I mean, you're always out there. So you've had a year to kind of get to know Jets fans a little bit, the good and the bad. What would you say is one thing that you love about Jets fans as an overall community and one thing that uh, you, you don't like too much, think they can improve? Um, I love that they're passionate about their team because you want to write about a team that people care about. It's like, I was talking to this one a reporter for the athletic that covers the Packers, and he just kept every time like we had a conversation, I always circle back around. Um, you know, my base they care a lot about the Packers, and I think that's what makes everything fulfilling is knowing that your work is able to resonate with a group of people, and some beats don't provide that. You know, like. Especially on there's some probies that don't provide that. Uh, people mentioned Jacksonville, but Jacksonville this past year is yeah. you know, the Jaguars. You've been you've got your work cut out, but like you know, there's yeah. some beats where people just don't care. You know, like let's say you're the hmm, let's say you're the Detroit Lions, right? You don't have a right. star quarterback. You don't have a young quarterback. You're kind of like in that bridge middle ground where it's right. It's whatever. Um, and yeah, I, I just, Jets were there in 2017. Right, you know, like people care, like the diehards were like, you know, it's whatever because that team, there's there's nothing to like hold on to. Like 
Najee. You can hold on to Dan Campbell, but yeah, and then, and then it's like if they go draft Willis, then it's like okay, there we go. Well, now we got uh, something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, at least with the Jets, they had um they had Zach, even though he wasn't playing well at all. But at least there was something that I could consistently center my attention around. Right. And um one thing, but again, like Jeff Hanser is super passionate. And I think that's my my favorite thing about them. Um now my least favorite thing is probably like it's the whining that they think people are picking on the Jets. <laughs> like, bro, like if you guys win more, people will say nicer things. And that's what it comes down to. Like, I think Jet fans forget that, like, people aren't really piling on. It's just like your punchline right now because you guys haven't, you guys have only had one winning season since 2010. And, like, it's not even like, okay, you guys are like seven, you know, seven and nine. Eight and eight, six and hey, 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 the Buff Fumble was two years after the Jets went to back-to-back AFC championships, and that thing played on ESPN like every day for a whole oh, year. Yeah. So. Like, a, dude, a dude ran to the back of the <laughs> lineman and fumbled. And they yeah, I, it was four. funny. I'm just saying it was like yeah. way it's overblown. I think it's it was, warranted. <laughs> it was overblown because it was the Jets. If that was, you know, the Broncos, that would not have been, you know, as, as infamous as it was. Jets, Patriots, Thanksgiving. Let let me push back. We still talk about, well, we still, like, you'll still see the highlights of when the Indianapolis Colts went for it on fourth and two with their punter under center. We still see those highlights. So I think it's more about. Yeah, but the buff fumble was a different, I mean, the buff fumble is like, I mean, as far as football, it's probably number one in terms of. I'm not going to act like the Jets being in the market that they're in doesn't heighten. You know when you guys have some of your laugh. At I think I think we're hypersensitive, but I think it's warranted. I think I think the Jets do take some 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 straight balls. How, how many times over the decade though? Oh, oh, it, and that's, you know, like, I, I feel like some of it is warranted. Like some of these stray bullets will be like, I'll be watching some random. I guarantee you it, it might happen tomorrow. It probably will happen with the Bengals. They're in the Super Bowl, they're gonna mention like, yeah, somehow they lost to the Jets, and then you know, they'll make fun of the Jets. I mean, like it just happens. Like, right, you guys win four thirteen though, yeah. like exactly. <laughs> so yeah, if they win, they'll get more attention. But you know, that's what I'm saying. But like, you gotta understand, like if you're if you like the Giants get cropped on a bunch now. I mean, they're in the, when you're in the number one market, yeah. number one media market in the entire world, like right. This is what's gonna happen. Like, it's gonna be much more eyeballs. Yeah, so it's I- just, it's just been bad, like on the field. So it's bad off the field. I agree. Like if they're good, they get talked yeah. about. If they don't care good, when they're good. People will overrate the Jets if they're yes. good. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, like, yes. it, it goes both ways. You know what I'm saying? Like, think about it. We All still right. talk about um that 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 20 over oh, that that 2009 2010 run. We yeah, still talk. Okay. We still mention that, and we think we never mentioned the Jaguars run when they got to the AFC in 2017. Yeah, yeah, we don't mention that, but we still mention you know the, the Jets running in that small little window. So it's gonna. I mean, if you guys start winning. All right. You guys I, I expect to see some positive stories when they're winning. I, hey, hey. I'm joking. Hey, I'm you know, joking. I write, I write positive stories. When I will winning. say, I, I thought, per, and Michael, I mean, I know I know you have a question here, but I thought DJ was as about as balanced as you'd want to report. And I know people are going to disagree agree. with that. I agree. But I, I really thought, DJ, you played things uh, about as well. Because you have to remember, you're not a fan of the Jets. You're actually a Dolphins fan. So, yeah, if anything, that's another thing. Like I, I feel like a lot of people who – kind of go at you expect you to be a fan like yeah but what you do really good job of is being objective like when the team wins three quarters of its game or loses three quarters of its games then shouldn't three quarters of the coverage be bad you know and i think you really 
hit it, um, strike that balance really well. Yeah, no, you know, I, I still my mentor Tyler Dragon, who now works for USA Today, always says like, regardless if they're winning or losing, well, if they're losing a lot, try to find still find positive stories, and like right. I would still try to try to do that regardless, because on game days you're gonna be able to find things that are you know you can write positively about like when the right. Jets lost to the Bills week 18, like you know obviously the offense was terrible. But, like, you know, the defense did play well to an extent. Cornerbacks held up in coverage, ran in, like, some of those inaccurate throws in the win, but they still held up in coverage. When the, Dol- when the Jets lost to the Dolphins in Miami, like, you can still mention, like, how the pass defense played really well. They forced Tua Tagovailoa. They basically started, like, his – because, you know, he had that stretch where he played really – he was playing well. It was kind of smoking mirrors, but he still was playing well. And then, like, he played poorly against the Jets, and, like, that continued for the rest of the year. But and they, they kind of started that, so they put out a blueprint that other teams was able to follow. But again, like even though they lost that game and their defense rush defense was terrible, but you can still write about, yeah, you know, even though you know their pass rush defense was terrible, but their pass defense was pretty good. And like you can still mention how like you know the offense played well in the first half, but then you got to also mention that the offense didn't play well. I, I think I, I was always looking for that that balance of trying to find both at the end of the day because. Again, be having been on the beat, it's really easy to find all the negative shit and just ride that out. You can really do that right. and be able to be just fine. Um, because those, for what it's worth, they do people do click on that more than than the middle of the road stuff or even like the overly positive stuff when the team is bad. Because it's like, you know, you write something positive, they're like, "Well, the team sucks, so you know, why are you writing this? Right? How the team's bad?" Like I remember when I asked the Zach Wilson about. Um, the offense struggling since he'd been back and he um, he uh, dismissed my question <laughs> and I said that was a bad luck and that started like a whole firestorm I remember like getting like you know someone texting me and saying why are you even writing about that why not write about the defense being terrible I'm like bro I wrote about that <laughs> for like two months now like are you, are you kidding I gotta write about it all the time and that's another thing I learned is like your Twitter your Twitter readers and your actual you know, the people you write on Twitter and the people that actually read your work aren't the same. Like, it, the people that read your work is all over. So some people that just read it off the website and they don't really use social media, people right. off Reddit, right. some people off Facebook, um, a smaller amount on if off Instagram, but it's not as strong, and then, and then Twitter. So it's all over the right. place. So a lot of people actually don't keep up with your timeline. But, um, yeah, I was big on trying to make sure I was still balanced and fair. And I think um, people within the Jets building has... They've, they've appreciated that aspect that I provide. Um, so, you know, I, I was big on, okay, just trying to make sure that I'm not bashing their heads all the time. Right, right. Yeah. I, I love I love watching you battle uh, Jets fans and other team fans on Twitter because I'll see people go, like, who cares? You're a Jets fan or, like, you cover the Jets or something, and then it's just, like, catching a stray bullet. Um, and we, I know we mentioned you're a Dolphins fan, and before right. we, we have a lot of Jets topics to get into. But yeah. I'm curious to, to know your thoughts, to get your thoughts on, we talked a little bit, Mike McDaniel, you feeling yeah. it? I mean, another year of Tua. Would you rather have Tua? Well, I mean, Go ahead. you might have answered this, but would you rather have Tua or Zach right now? If you had to choose, uh-huh. who, do you, who okay. are you more confident in their current situations, Tua with Mike McDaniel or Wilson with LaFleur is going to reach their ceiling? I know you think it's, it's uh, Derek Carr's ceiling for Zach Wilson. That's fine. Zach has a higher ceiling. 
without question because he could just do things that Tua can't do. Right. Um, it's a weird question though because like I feel that the team that Tua has around him is decent enough to where like he can win enough games to like kind of trick you or even convince you that. Yeah, maybe maybe he might be the guy because regardless of what you know we think about him, his athletic ability and his limited arm and yada yada yada. I mean, he still has a winning record because he has a really good defense around him. So I feel like he might end up in that Jared Goff, um, you know, tier. But if I had to choose, obviously I'm gonna go with the higher ceiling quarterback because at least with that, you you have you gotta have a quarterback that can compete with Josh Allen, man. Right. And you know, I just I've seen enough of. To win. I just don't know if he could ever compete with a Josh Allen type. Granted, like obviously they don't play against each other, but they play against each other, you know, at the end of the day. And I've seen enough that makes me wonder if he'll ever be able to get to that. Now with a new offensive, you know, a new with an offensive minded head coach, because I will say that Brian Flores did not provide a good offensive staff around Tua or even before Tua, because he fired three offensive coaches and the offensive coordinators and had four offensive line coaches in his three-year tenure um I do wonder um what Mike McDaniel can do with Tua I'm mean, obviously he's gonna have to be a run first offense and I do wonder like how far you can get with that because we've seen Jared Goff get the Super Bowl we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo get to the Super Bowl right in that system so I'm obviously like if I had to pick one quarterback I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with um Zach in terms because I mean I'm always pick the more talented guy but it does seem that if the Dolphins fix the offensive line and get him to a one more weapon and maybe with a uh-huh. decent running game, he might, you know, he might be able to have a good amount of success. Now we'd be able to, you know, take on Josh. That's a different, that's a different topic. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. We'll see. Yeah, we, we will see. Did you go down to, uh, to the senior bowl? Yeah, I did. I did. I did. So how, how was that? How was that experience? And I don't know. I mean, the Senior Bowl seems like that's like the first real gossip event of the yeah, NFL offseason. I'm not saying I'm not saying you have to give away all your trade secrets, but I mean, are you hearing any rumblings about is this the offseason that Joe Douglas really do you think really goes for it and goes aggressive? Or do you think this is another, you know, I know I know the, the plan that's been reported is like, OK, he wants to have the Jets ready to compete in three years. Obviously, mm-hmm. maybe that gets delayed a bit with Salah. So it's like, okay, is this one more offseason of stockpiling, or is this the one where you think he really gets aggressive in free agents and free agency and goes after some of the guys that maybe you'd only want in like a you know quote unquote win now situation? Uh, bit of a loaded question, but yeah, your thoughts on on being at the Senior Bowl and then maybe you know any uh, hear any uh, rumors that you'd like to share? So I, there's people in the building that want to be aggressive. Um, obviously. I, I didn't hear it from Joe himself. I don't think Joe right. tell me anything off on or off the record. Um, but I think they there's people that want to get aggressive uh, in trying to build a competitive roster. Because, you know, again, like you have to look at it that you're in a division where you had three teams with a winning record. Um, right. The Bills are a Super Bowl contender. The, the Patriots, as long as Bills, their coach, are always going to have a good defense and they'll be able to – manufacture wins i mean we'll see with the dolphins but you're in, you're in a really tough division like there's no gimme game so there's people that want to get aggressive um being at the senior bowl was fun because i mean i love football and i love watching like young i mean i used to pray and hope that one day it would have been me at the senior bowl obviously that didn't happen that way but so i've always paid attention to it um so i enjoyed being in atmosphere you know um, 
one thing that was kind of funny was the fact that most of the coaches actually like thought what was that late January, early February. So the Super Bowl was most of them actually haven't studied any of these guys, <laughs> like at all. Like I can think of the time I talked to a coach and I would ask about a specific player and they just be like, hey, I haven't really got to them yet. You know, I haven't really had that much time because after the season, like it's so much, they just want to relax, right. you know, vacation, right. you know, um, be with their family. They still have a few months to spend, you know, hours and hours. Exactly, out. exactly. And they're not the scouts, so. Right, 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 right. So, um, yeah, man, you 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 do hear a lot of things. Um, you know, you try to make sure that some of it isn't BS. You know, everybody isn't someone hearing from another person that's hearing from another person. Um so anything that I heard was, you know, like the issue were pretty tied into the situations. All right, man. Um, let me see. Um, let me see. Which what which one do I wanna? Well, okay. Yeah, so um the one I would say is the cornerback one. The cornerback one took me aback a little bit, you know, like the fact that they're like they're really not satisfied at the position. Now, how they address wow. it is is there, there's some people in the building that are like really not satisfied with it like at all um you know like that, that's why me and connor had tweeted what we tweeted um you know connor had tweeted out that the best case scenario that the jets want is bryce hall echoes isaiah dunn competing for that cornerback number two spot and they have another guy that has that spot locked down on the opposite side that obviously isn't in the building yet but that's what they'll prefer um so that 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 kind of took me by surprise a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's what I that's what I said. I was like, okay, interesting, interesting. You know, because I think a lot. And I remember when I, when I tweeted, the only person I know for a fact is like they got their spot like locked down. They'll be they'll be straight. Is Marco Carter the second in the secondary? That's about it. Um, you know, let me see what else what else did I hear. Um, yeah, like they, you know, there's some people you know within the building that that want to use uh, one of the high one of the premier picks are one of the top 40 picks on the cornerback. Um, now, would they be able to convince Joe D of that? We'll see. You know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, Joe D is the one that got to pull the, they got to pull the trigger. But um, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. Um, let's see what else that I hear that I can share. Hmm. That is surprising, though, because I think a lot of people assume that. And they've, they've reiterated that message of, like, right, we're going to build through the trenches. And obviously they still are. Right. It doesn't mean they're not going to. Yeah. Um, but the it is funny that I mean, like the, the common knowledge, I guess, would say that, oh, you know, corner is not a premium position in this system. Um, you know, they, they can go with the young guys again or just add another body. Yeah. But it really did take a significant step with Sherman. I'm, I'm happy with them signing a guy like Gilmore or something, which is really only a one or two year move. Right, right, right. Of drafting and investing in other areas and then coming back to corner. But look, if they yeah. love a guy. In the top 40, I mean, I, you can't hate it because it is still a premium position regardless of whether it is in, in your scheme or not. Exactly. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I remember, you know, I had, you know, I mean, Talbot having a conversation. He said having Richard Sherman made everybody's job easier because right. the safeties could cheat underneath um, and not have to worry about, you know, oh, what, what's happening on Sherman's side and quarterback sometimes they even throw his way. And that allowed them to – be able to, you know, run certain coverages that could help force the quarterback to hold the ball. And then when they had the D-line that he they had in San Fran, um, obviously that's why they were so dominant. That helped because, you know, rushing coverage go hand in hand. You know, you can, right. you know, you can 
get after a quarterback, but if the, the back end isn't playing that well, then that pressure can only get there a couple of times. And regardless of the fact, quarterbacks can play under pressure, and it makes it a lot easier when their guys are still getting open, regardless of how much pressure the quarterback is feeling. Um, you know, some instances where the pressure will affect the throw, but some quarterbacks can play within that. So that one thing, that's one thing that did take me back. Obviously, we heard about the Makai Beckton situation. Um, I did also hear that, like, yeah, he – he has to grow up a little bit. Um, he has to grow up a little bit. Um, I think the weight got like around 385. That's what that's what one person told me. Um, but 385? Yeah, 385. So nice. I mean, you know, some people mentioned over four. I'm not too sure. I can't really speak to that. But um, yeah, well, you know, let me see what else that I can think of. Let me see what so, else. So, did the think. knee? I don't know how much you heard, but like, did the knee heal? And it was just by the time it healed, he was out of shape, and it. Or um, I, I think I, it, my guess, I think the method that the Jets went with just didn't work for my guy. I think, um, and I think it was probably like they were thinking short term versus long term, and you know, it just didn't. His body didn't react the way that they had, had hoped. Um. So it's a bit of an indictment on on their their staff, the one that they yeah. like assembled this this offseason. Right. Yeah, and I agree. I think um, it was pretty obvious, like the way he, like anybody with eyes, like if you're if you're like a casual person walking down the street that doesn't pay attention to football, and you you happen to walk into a bar and watch a Panthers Jets game, and yeah, you saw Makai get hurt. There's no way you think that person's coming back in that same season. So I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, when he like, dislocated his knee and sprained his piece, uh, MCL, I mean, MCL. Right. Like, and, and that's 370 pounds, probably, at least. Yeah, like, 60 falling yeah. backwards. You feel me? So, um, do you about, think that the, the competition like, is, um, like, how legit do you think that is? Do you think that they're just trying to push him a little bit, or you think Fant has a real shot of staying over I think, there? I think Fant has a legitimate shot of staying over there. They go. You guys pay attention to Salah's press conferences. How often has Salah been that transparent in terms of, uh, I won't say calling out a player, but that transparent in the sense of. Dude, they, they gave Denzel, like, uh, honestly, the entire season, they were just saying positive things about Denzel. Right. Didn't, Salah didn't, I mean, maybe it's a difference between off season and in season, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That, that, that is, that was out of character. Yeah, that's that's as, as, you know, as critical as he's gotten publicly, exactly. I think. Exactly. So, yeah, I think he had, fan has a great opportunity to to win that job. We'll see, though. Um, I, I, you know, Makai situation, like, really throws a wrench in everything because I feel that if Makai was healthy, well, let's say he played last year and wasn't hurt and fans stayed at right tackle and played solid, like, you wouldn't have to worry about using the offensive tackle, a pick on the, you know, the fourth or tenth pick on the offensive right. tackle. You'd just be like, okay, let's, we got to go receiver, corner, or or edge. You know, that that could be, like, the our safety. That could be, like, the main four discussions. But now you throw in that fifth one, it's like, you know, that fifth that fifth position, is, it kind of throws a wrench into things. Because, like, it's almost like, okay, are we – let's say Makai is healthy. And you have fan, and let's say you drop the offensive tackle out of North Carolina State, and obviously he's going to be starter. You put him at right guard. So I mean, at that point, you know, like you kind of put, um, you know, you kind of use the a draft pick on a you know a top four pick on a guard, offensive guard. You know, and you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with solidifying the offensive line, but you could have used so, that to fill a different need. You know what I mean? 
So, so I know you're you're very I know you you're very against using the tenth pick on Linderbaum. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because, because it's not a premium position. So, but in the situation that they take Ekwanu or Neil. Uh, yeah, for you're right. He probably would play guard year one. And who? Right. And look, it, it, maybe they draft him, and then he's a Quentin Nelson level guard or whatever. And it's like, all right, you yeah, just keep yeah. him there. And back to you know whatever. And then it's like, all right, well, we just drafted a guard at four. You can't hate that. But are you worried about the positional value of you know using a top five pick on a, a guy who might just be a, a guard for you? Yeah, you know, you're a little bit worried about that, but. At the end of the day, it's kind of like an insurance policy. It's kind of like, okay, well, Makai doesn't get right. Now we have this 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 backup plan. And let's say that last year was a fluke for Fan. Fan regresses back to the mean and is more of a average left tackle or, or you know, just an average NFL tackle. Um, and you know, he he will be up, he will be a free agent in the 2023 offseason. That'll give you the opportunity to let him walk, you know what I mean? And be able to keep still have two solid, young, talented, promising bookend tackles with Makai and let's say you get the guy, you get Neil or you get the guy from North Carolina State. So that's kind of where I'm where I'm not as critical if they were to go that direction. Center, that's just that just doesn't even make sense. But if uh, you, but if but if he's a you know an all pro level center, I mean the Jets, uh, I don't know if you're aware, but the Jets are do have like a, a rich history of centers going from a wide to mangled back. Yeah, but that, that was a completely different NFL though. Are, are, the, are the Bengals and the Rams in the Super Bowl right now because of their center play? No. Not a shot. But, yeah. Uh, the Bengals are the true outlier in terms of a team going okay. that far. Okay. What, 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 about, what, about, what about the Rams? Who, like, was their center like all pro? No. What about the um, – the, the, what about the Packers? I mean, Packers Jason, Jason Kelsey did help the Eagles win a Super Bowl. He, he did. He did. He did. He did. I, he think, I, think, I think a great – center can really make a difference i i understand what you're saying and like i i do get the argument of like look mcgovern according to pff or most analytics had a good season a and even on the film you there it was certainly better than 2020 but anybody who's watched a jets game knows that Connor mcgovern especially when handling stunts when anything that it comes to communication and maybe it's the the shoddy guard play that he's had to deal with obviously it got better when van roten was out but I don't have much confidence that McGovern's our long-term center. No, and an amazing center, I mean, does I mean, matter. It's not completely. I'm not saying that it doesn't matter. I'm just saying that if you have solid center play, you'll be fine. Right. Like, again, the Patriots were like top, what, like top four in rushing. And like they had the center, they had Ted, Ted um, Carousel, something like that. I'm not yeah. But like he was with the Dolphins and he was, mediocre and he went to the Patriots and he did a, a solid job. The, the yeah. offensive line played extremely well. Like obviously if you have the Hall of Fame type talent and you know similar to what the Eagles have at center, that makes a significant right. difference. But I just don't see the upside, especially when you have all the holes that you have on the roster, man. I just but well, okay, like, but but if you if you draft him and he's Quentin Nelson though at center, is it, is okay, it but how, okay, but how many how many playoff games have the Colts won with Quinn and Nelson under, I mean, at guard playing at an all pro level. And in this system, guard plays a lot more important than center play. Right. I mean, I'm I'm certain that Quinn Nelson could win a Super Bowl. I don't really think the reason they I haven't got the players is because I, I know what you're saying. Like, look, yeah, if they go and take. That, you know, if the Jets were in a better situation, like let's say they had a number one wide receiver along with Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, they had 
um, a middle of the road number one type corner, and they had solid offensive, I mean, defensive line, a solid defensive line. I like it. That's cool at number 10. But when you have so many holes that they have, and centers might be close to their biggest needs. Like, again, how many games we watched this year and we thought, oh, yeah, the center play is why the Jets lost this game? Yeah, I agree. Guard was much more commonly the answer to that question. Like, there were games where Greg Van Roden was ruining drives. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, again, and then once L- LDT got in there and he, he provided solid guard play, everything got better. Like, the pass protection was even better. The run game got better. Like, yeah, a lot of things that were thrown on McGovern's plate wasn't really all his fault, you know. He, I remember, like Elijah Tucker was still a rookie. Like he might, he has promise, but he was still a rookie, and he was gonna make, and he made rookie mistakes right. that sometimes got thrown on, thrown on to um, Connor McGovern. So, are you are you bringing LDT back? Uh, I mean, yeah, you could bring him back for for depth because you know offensive linemen they always get hurt. Like there's never ever you never got an offensive line that stays healthy the entire year. Each starter has played 16 games, well, 17 games. Like that's virtually impossible. Um, so I bring him back and let him compete. And you're starting. You're starting center. You think is is McGovern again? Yeah, I think I think it'll be McGovern. I think it'll be um, McGovern. Um, I don't. They they just have too many other holes. Like when I talk to people in the just building, it's always we need a tight end. We need a receiver. We need another corner. We need um, more. We need an edge. Linebacker. <laughs> Every other position. So linebacker is not as pressing of a need in their eyes, based off of the conversation they had. They like like Quincy. They like they they think there's something there with him. They think he's a he, he's a solid. They think he's a NFL starter in that spot. Um, I mean, obviously they, they'll still add, but it's not as pressing of a need because I think a lot of issues came down to like the defensive line, right? Like just not being able to. Could he, I know I know because you guys watch film. Yeah, so that's why that's why we can we can. I'm curious that. to get Michael's take on that because. I, I, I don't know. I mean, at least just from our conversations, Michael, it did sound like you're not as high on Quincy and you thought that CJ was kind of all out there by himself last year. But oh, maybe, yeah. maybe I'm wrong. But, yeah. but Michael, yeah. I mean, how, how did you, how do you, how big of a need do you think linebacker is? Or at least just an improvement at that spot. I'm not saying the Jets have yeah. to add anybody, but I mean, yeah. it seems like I mean, I mean, I definitely am not on high as him as it seems like the Jets are. Um, but I think, like DJ said, there's definitely – I think the D-line deserved more blame than it got yeah. this year. And yes. that, that brings me to one guy I did want to ask you about. Sheldon Rankins is a guy who they can move on from and, right. you know, clear some space this year. I was pretty disappointed in him this year. Um, yeah. I didn't. I felt like he didn't bring as much pressure as he typically did in New Orleans. And I think mm-hmm. he was a huge part of the run defense struggles. I. I felt yeah. like watching him, he got moved a lot, especially in that cold game. Um, so what do you think about Rankins, and uh, do you think there's a possibility of him being released? Yeah, I think there's a possibility. Um, I don't know if it, if he will be released, but I know it's a possibility because, you know, just because it's a business, you know, the cap numbers, and obviously he did not – he didn't he didn't play up to the standard. He, he would tell you he didn't play up to his standard. Like, he had moments where he could get into the backfield or get to the quarterback occasionally, but it was too far few in between. And I, I remember, like, vividly, we talked about the D-line, and specifically, obviously, Quinnen, not Quinnen, but Sheldon. That Colts game was so alarming because there were so many plays where the offensive guard, maybe they'll go Quinnen Nelson and their center will be able to get to, like, C.J. Mosley without any hesitation. Oh, let's say they'll double-team. I remember some play where they'll double-team Sheldon or they'll double-team Quinnen. 
and they'll be able to drive them back off the ball like four or five yards yeah. and then yeah. move off that double team and then get to C.J. Mosley. You know what I mean? It's just when that's happening, that's so much on the defensive line, just not being able to, one, handle the double team and, two, um, create gaps for your linebackers to run down and, and fill it and stop the run. Um, granted, you know, still there's, there's some blame to go with linebackers. And also, like, Marcus may be hurt, hurt the run defense, too, because safeties are such a important aspect of the run defense in this in this scheme. Um, but I think that there's a chance that, yeah, Sheldon could get released based on just the numbers. Uh, will they? Not too sure. I know that would, if they release Sheldon, that would make the media – the media would be sad about that, the beat yeah. reporter, because he, he's a great quote. But, um, yeah, he didn't play – I mean, I think he'll tell you he didn't play as well as, as, as he needed to, so – I don't know if you got this the same takeaway, but and I know it's apples and oranges, but that was one of the main things I noticed when watching the Senior Bowl because obviously the Jets coached it, and so you got to see the Jets, mm-hmm. the, the basics of the Jets system, um, and you just saw what it what it's like when you have dominant defensive line play because I, I think they were the national team. Uh, I mean, the defensive line just ate the entire game, and I'll tell you one thing: like I, I was pretty certain the Jets were going to certainly address defensive tackle. I, I thought it would be more in free agency, but after watching that game. And just knowing that how deep the defensive line class is this year in the draft, like I would not be surprised if they take a defensive tackle. And if a guy like uh, Perrin Winfrey, I think his name was from Oklahoma, who balled out, won MVP, like, look, if he's sitting there at 38 and the, the Jets were in there in the meetings with him and they they loved him, whatever, like they might take him. Like I'm not saying that's necessarily the, the wisest way to utilize your, your resources but if you are comfortable with john franklin myers staying at edge at least on first and second down and this right. guy blew you away and maybe you're not sure about paying quinnon or whatever like if you think he's an aaron donald level player or you know whatever right or buckner or whoever then you take right. it so i i would not that every year there's always a pick that jets fans immediately are like what and then they come around on last year i mean i think for a lot of people it was elijah moore but people won't admit that but when he first got taken people were like why are we taking more? We don't need a receiver yet. We got Mims, Davis, and I mean Crowder and Cole, and that's a good you know. point. And and then he's arguably, I mean, what wasn't the Jets' best rookie, but arguably one of the Jets' most promising players, uh, rookies. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they take a, a DT. I mean, how would you react to that if they used a, a second rounder on a DT? I wouldn't be mad at that, man. I, I, you know. They have so many holes that you can't be mad at them if right. they decide to like they go safety, say they go safety tenth, or they go safety in the second round. Nah, they go safety, <laughs> yeah, or they sign safeties. Yeah, that, that's fine. That's fair. I, I have no issues with that. Um, or they go, they go offensive tackle or offensive guard in the second round. You like they have so many holes where you, you can't be mad at them if they go a certain route. Outside the top ten picks, I mean, I you know, I'm no no center, but in the top ten, but um, yeah, man, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they went in that direction uh, because there's just again so many holes, man. As you guys watch, and you guys yeah. watch throughout the year, like like when people mention firing brick, I'm like, you guys are clearly just watching the broadcast view. And that is yeah. it. Yeah. Like, there are a lot of it came out to the, them just not having enough talent. Like, right. think about Roger Rodney was starting for them the second he got into the building that same weekend. He wasn't on an active roster Yeah, prior to him getting to the Jets, and he was starting. Week, like, week one, they started, like, Sheldrick Redwine and 
bunch of, I mean, uh, who's the linebacker that played a ton that game? Sherwood um, started. It was a week one starter. It was Sherwood. Yeah. And then they also had Phillips or somebody else play. Yeah. Delshawn Phillips. Yeah. They had Delshawn Phillips play a lot. And it's but yeah, like, I, I agree. Like when you really watch it and don't just try to, you know, delegate the blame to the coaches, it's like guys are missing tackles. Guys aren't creating pressure. They're not winning in coverage. It's like there's only so much a coach can do when you don't have talent. Um, and it's staying on the defensive line. Um, ben was just talking talking about JFM. Um, what sense do you get from the team regarding his future in terms of inside or out? Because obviously he played edge all year this year, was a DT in 2020. Um, yeah. Do you get the sense that they like him long-term as an edge or are they open to moving him back inside and getting I another think start on edge? For JFM would be playing inside. Yeah, um, I agree. Because he, yeah, I mean, because he, he's, I, mean, I wouldn't call him a tweener. I wouldn't call him that, but he's basically that, you know, he's in between being able to be a really good defensive tackle and being able to be a really good edge. Right. And, you know, his, his size and his athletic ability, like he could really dominate on the interior. On the outside, you know, he can, you, 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 you can have more success as an offensive tackle with him based on, you know, just his, his ability. But I think they prefer him inside. I think if Kayvon's there, they'll probably take him. And they can move JFM inside. And I think that would make the with Carl coming back. I think that would make the defensive line good. Uh, possibly even great. Um, but I think if you could get JFM back inside, I think that's when he could be at his best. Obviously, he played on the edge almost out of necessity. But I mean that, that's where they that's where they need him. Because I mean, coming into the year, you didn't think that, you know, Sheldon, you thought Sheldon would have played a lot better than he did this year. You thought Quinnen would have played. A lot better than right. he did. I mean, yeah. Quinnen like played fine, but even he'll tell you that he didn't play up to the standard that he has set for himself. So, um, I think right. the long case and long term scenario is getting another edge that can push JFM inside. Yeah, you brought up Kayvon. What What do you make of all the um, you know, the conversation about him with the competitive fire and the dedication, all that stuff? Do you think there is a chance he gets to four? Yeah, but I, and I don't think it's because of the noise. I think it's more based off those teams' needs. Um, I think the Jags probably go off in the tackle, whoever it is. Um, and, and I think the wild card is the Texans. What do the Texans do? Do they go off in the tackle? Do they go safety? Do they like what do they do at the number three spot? Um, do they go K1 Thibodeau? You know what I mean? It just depends. Um, I think they, yeah, I think, yeah. I think I, they would. I don't think they. I don't think he gets past them, right? Right, right, right. But there's a chance, though. Uh, you know, someone close to Kayvon that I was talking to at the Senior Bowl just mentioned that there's no quarterback controversy, so they got to pick somebody to, you know, make try to create a controversy out of nowhere with. Right. So, you know, we we, we laughed about that. But <laughs> <laughs> um, Kayvon not getting passed for. No shot. Um, I do – I am intrigued by Jermaine Johnson, though. Yes, at 10, really especially. Intrigued. Or, I mean, and honestly, if he has a, enough of a rise, he could be in consideration at four. Because I think, I think Ekwanu's going to go one, and then I think the two edge rushers are going to go. And I'm sorry, I know there's a lot of buzz about this, but there's just no way the Jets take a safety at four, in my opinion. Nah, so nah, they're sitting at four, nah. and it's like they're either going to trade down because some team is in love with Malik Willis or whatever, um, or I think they – I know some people are screaming Neil, but he's not that impressive to me. And I, I don't know. I kind of like Jermaine Johnson. I feel like 
the Jets got to work with him in the senior bowl. I, I think at 10, he's he's certainly in the running if they go like Wanu or Neil at four, but right. he might be even in the running at four. I was I was watching I was watching his tape against NC State and there's plays where he was beating um hey how you pronounce the name again? That's why I kept saying NC, the, the offensive title ball, NC State. Why are you pronouncing the name again? Uh, I, I just say Aquanu, but I mean. Okay, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he was beating Aquanu uh, on some plays. So in, in the run game, I was really impressed with him. Um, he, there, there are a lot of plays where he was able to, when he would go against Aquanu and he would catch him lunging, be able to sideswipe that and be able to make the tackle in the backfield or even being able to. I mean, there was one play where, like, I think – uh, NC State was having like a tight end come across to you know hunt for the most dangerous man, and usually you don't want that guy. You don't want him to have to pick up clean up somebody's mess. Usually you want him to be able to go into the hole and find somebody else or catch somebody else on the edge. But Jermaine Johnson beat Aguanu so bad that that tight end had to pick Jermaine Johnson up immediately, and he's able to help make that tackle on top of that. So there was some play where I was really impressed. Like, Jermaine Johnson's a really good athlete. Um, somebody close to him told me that he thinks he'll run a 4-5 at the combine. So if he runs a 4-5 at the combine, he'll probably go to the top 10. Because there's just so much buzz yeah, around. I, there's, there's, that's a good point. He really might be the guy for. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, I remember I was texting Damian Whitting, you know, because I when I watch, if I'm watching cornerbacks, receivers, you know, I don't really need to ask, like, I'll ask coaches and former players just to get, like, little tidbits, but I don't, you know, I don't need it. It's more me doing it to just sharpen my my knowledge on the position. But off the tackle, D-line, I'm always going to reach out to to guys. And I remember actually Damien, like, yo, really? you sure? Like, man, Johnson, I'm going to top 10? So, yeah, <laughs> he's a really good athlete. He's a really good athlete. Like, if Jermaine was a full five, like, I just don't see how – and Kayvon's not there. I just don't see how he's not in that mix. Like, if he wants a 4-5 of the combine, which there's a chance for that, and it, apparently like, he's going to be able to test really well and might have a vertical um, – uh, his vertical jump might be in the upper 30s. Like, I just don't see – and he knows he's like 6'7". Like, he's a yeah. he's a phenomenal athlete. And you – in the top five, you, you take risks on yeah. that. If, that especially, especially if he impressed him. Because yeah, if he yeah. was in the meeting room and they loved him, and also he didn't play, which may you know probably just an injury thing, but you know, if, if he feels like he already sent the message during the week, you know what I mean? He feels like yeah, he had yeah. nothing else to prove, which means he feels like he had a great week. He did. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think you might be right. So if they go, only a few more questions for you here, DJ. But if they go Johnson at four, uh, who who are you thinking at ten? I know I know you're you loving the receivers. Uh, it seems like. You loving Drake London? I've seen that on your Twitter. A lot of people are on the Traylon Burks train. Garrett Wilson's route running. about Traylon Burks? What do y'all think about Traylon Burks? I I'm super intrigued. I think yeah, if they, yeah, I, I think we both like him. We watched yeah. him together a little bit. We can sort of picture the potential. Um, right. But it, it's really interesting this class because I feel like with all these top receivers, you're getting something unique between all of them. So I think yeah. you know your preferred style your needs, your scheme are really going to play a big part in who goes, you know, the order of how they go out the board. Right. Yeah, man. Um, I think 10 for me, it'd be because if you go edge, that means you're not going to go tackle. Right. Unless maybe cross is in that from Mississippi State is, is available at 10. Let's say he's right. not. 
could look at Sauce Gardner. Corner or receiver at that point. Or, or center. No. <laughs> or linebacker. I mean, like if maybe Devin yeah. Lloyd really impressed if they like Nicobe Dean. Lloyd, I know Lloyd. I know we just said that they 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 like their linebackers. But yeah, yeah, they like them, but obviously you never know. You never know. Um but I think you know though those two for sure, though those two positions and linebacker obviously are are just best play on the board, but I like um I like man, I like London a lot, man. Uh I like London. Um, based on because like he provides an element that the Jets don't have. Yeah. And you know, when I'm watching the film, I do wonder could there are plays where he'll run a go route and like the DB will be next to him. How much of that is he knows that his quarterback has a weak arm and has to be like a jump ball type of throw? And how much of it how much of it is he just doesn't have the burners in that aspect? And cause you can you can win in the NFL without having like that type of bur- like those type of burners when you're six foot four, six foot five. Right. Um, and like Mike Evans is a perfect example. Mike Williams, those are good examples of guys that aren't like overly fast, but like they're big bodies that can still make contested catches. So I, I'm intrigued by. But it, isn't isn't he like, kind of the same archetype of? I know Denzel Mims is a completely different story, but didn't all we hear about Mims is how he's not a good scheme fit? And, and London seems like he should be a, a good player in the NFL, but doesn't mm-hmm. seem like he necessarily has the traits that align with. The LaFleur system. I, I mean, I just had people I've had people in the building say we need a big body receiver that can right. Well, good. the the question is is because that's what Zach had at BYU and he played really well with, but then it's like your system kind of prioritizes separation and route running and yards. Right, and catch. right. But but Drake has route like he has the ability to run good routes. Like there's plenty of plays where if he's has an inside release, he run an inside breaking route, he's created plenty of separation. Um well now I'm not I'm gonna not say plenty, but like the way he separates. It's going to look a lot different than how an Elijah Moore or a um, Dobson from Penn State or even right. yeah, Wilson separates because those guys are six foot and under. Drake is six foot five, six foot four, and he can separate with his hands. Because let's say you throw it, you you throw a high uh, a high pointed pass, he can separate by going up with his hands to go get the ball. Um, yeah, he got again, that last like, minute. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And he has um, he has a big catch radius, which allows since Zach. Accuracy was an issue for him his rookie year. That allows him to not have to be as accurate. He can just throw it in the vicinity of Drake and Drake because he's good at catching in, you know, um, in tight windows and traffic. He can come down with those passes. And again, like there's plenty of plays where he does separate. The Mims, Mims didn't work because it was mental with him. He still could have been fine within the system, but if more of it was mental with Mims and like, you guys went to a few practices. I went to – I saw every practice. It just, it just wasn't good. Like, I, you know, like it wasn't like play, his play style was an issue. It was just him not playing well. He, he seemed like he was like almost half-assing it a lot of times. There were, there were times where it just looked like he was just going through the motions. And that translated into the season. You know what I mean? Like, so I think that's what it, that's more what it is. With, with, and I understand why Jeff fans are scared of. But if you're scared of Denzel Mims, like it's funny when I see people say I don't want Drake, and they mention the Mem situation, but then they say they want Burks. Burks from a play style reminds me a lot more. Not obviously not Denzel Mims, but like in terms of he was in the offense that was scheme. Like he was, he, he gets a lot of production through scheme. He's just a really great athlete, and he can make a lot of plays happen based off of it. You know, like he if he has a goal out. 
I mean, he's he's a phenomenal athlete. There's so many plays. Right. There's a few plays where like he'll beat a guy off the line and just completely dust him. But you know, there's plays where he'll run a post down the field and just completely dust guys. But again, a lot of it is all right. We're gonna create an offense to just get him the ball in space. Right. He's, and, he's in that big slot role where he doesn't face a lot of press coverage and exactly. So like, wouldn't that be more? Like, if you're gonna mention men when you talk about. Drake, then you got to also throw Burks right. into that to an extent. Yeah. When you have a great athlete, that you have to worry about. Okay, what is how is this game going to translate when the offense is not centered and catered towards him? Um, but I'm still intrigued by him. I mean, I get my my top three because JMO from Alabama got hurt, which broke my heart. Um, <laughs> London one A, Garrett Wilson one B, and then Burks two. So like, I like all three of them. There's, you know, you can like, okay, you don't think the guy's the best doesn't mean you don't like him. I like all three. Um, like to the point where, like, remember, you guys, remember, you guys remember what I should mention, oh, maybe they should trade for a receiver. Now I'm like, I don't think they need to do that at all. Like, I mean, yeah. uh, I tweeted it out, but people don't use their context clues. People don't actually like, read. Oh, I saw this. <laughs> Like, and I wasn't even like I was just saying a one or a two. Like it could have been a one for two thousand twenty. Well, we'll give we'll give context. Give context for anybody who didn't see your tweet. You yeah, were yeah, the, the, the tweet was like I said. Um, I wouldn't obviously I wouldn't be mad if the Jets gave up a one or two for Calvin Ridley. Right. But if they were to stay put and get a Burks or Drake or a London, that would be just almost as effective and better cap wise. And right. people lost their mind because well, they. You said first round pick. You said to trade ten for for. No, I never Ridley. said ten. I said one or two. The one or two. That's what I said. And so I was just saying generally. And what I meant by one or two, I'm just saying right there. If it costs me one or two to go get them, I wouldn't be mad at y'all for doing that. But right. again, if you were to stay put, it'll be just as effective. Right. Good boy. Because you have to use the pick, and then you have to pay him too. Exactly. And that's not my overall point was there are so many good. There's good options to where. You don't have to use a pick to go fill the um, – you don't have to use one of your draft picks to go get a receiver because you can just get one at 10. That was the overall point. Uh, DJ, I have, I have two more questions for you. I don't know if Michael has anything else he'd like to add. But uh, well, one of, them, one, of them, one of them won't take too long. But the thing I want to get to, uh, I know I love the draft. It's, it is it – is, outside of maybe the opening day and maybe if the Super Bowl playoffs, I, I, love, fuck, I love the draft season. I just feel like that is the, the most fun part of, uh, of this show. But free agency in March, that first day, that's also pretty tough to beat. I, I know when people talk about free agents with the Jets, there's a lot of obvious names that have popped up. Like people are talking about Marcus Williams and Dalton Schultz, and we're hearing the same old names. And, and I'm wondering, is there anybody in that free agent market that either you think – the Jets will go after or should go after um, that is it maybe flying under the radar a little bit that you think is, is a name that, that you'd really like to see them add? I don't know how to pronounce his name from San Fran, but obviously it's not Jimmy Ward. It's the other guy. I think it's Tart. Yeah, um, uh, Jaquaski Tart. Jaquaski Tart. I think obviously he knows – because they need two safeties. Right. And like without a question. So wouldn't it be better to – if you can get like a Marcus Williams and then also bring in Tark, who you don't have to reteach him yeah. the scheme that he knows the language, he knows the responsibilities. I mean, he won't cost that much. He's only 29. Well, he turns 30 in a couple of days after he's like, yeah, days. But like that, that would be a, you know, because you can't, you can't always get a whole bunch of superstars. You're going to have to get right. guys to come in and be 
solid players that can play that role. So that's one guy that I thought about. Uh, I think David and Joku was going to be available. So that'll be a good a, a good pickup to play that tight end because you don't want to obviously draft two tight ends because tight end one of the hardest positions for young players to transition from college to the NFL because they're just more required to do a lot more blocking than you probably did in college. And you can't just muscle guys to get open when you're playing like in the Mountain West or you're playing in the, I don't know, like the ACC or whatever. Obviously, Pitts was able to have a thousand yards his rookie year, but he's one of one. <laughs> right. Everybody else, there's going to be more of a learning curve for them. Um, but, you know, those are two names I thought about um, when it comes to free agency. Those, those are really smart, too, because I think Njoku is the type of free agent we've seen Douglas add. Like, I, I've mentioned this before, but George Fant, Gerard Davis, you know, guys yeah. who – high athletes, 26, uh, haven't really hit their potential, and you think that the change of scenery can really bring it out of them. It worked with George Fant and worked with Davis. I think Njoku makes a lot of sense. I don't think – I don't think they should pay big money to Dalton Schultz, and I don't even yeah, think – That was, was going to be my next question. Do you think they'll be in that Schultz sweepstakes? Um, any chance that social, I mean, he might end up getting tagged. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he hits the market. I don't think he hits the market. So, and then it's like you know, Uzama, Njoku, OJ Howard. Who am I? There's somebody else late. Uh, Gasecki, but he's not a. No, fan. no, no. You guys don't want Gasecki. Uh, do you want it to return to Miami, or is he? No, I, on it? I don't. I don't it's the same system. Fit. I don't know if he's a fit anymore. He can't block. He can't block with a damn. Yeah, that's yeah. Oh, we know we we I I've talked about that a lot. How I don't think Gasicki's a fit for them. Yeah, you can't block. Like you know, it's something like you. They you have to block defensive ends. They're going to you're going to block like a. Let me see who, who they played this year. Like you're going to block a Matthew Judon. So, yeah, sometimes you have to block anybody's in like you know seven tech or something. It's like tight ends actually have to block, and we saw that all the time with with Griffin. Think about it. A tight end not being able to block is why Zach got hurt. <laughs> that's true. You know what like, I mean? Why would he just be a receiver? You know, granted, you know, Zach should have gotten a ball a little bit early and he admitted that. But again, Griffin, hello, John Rudolph, a little better. Your quarterback, you know, they got your quarterback hurt. So, yeah, bro, like, Mike and Seth would be terrible. And, like, if you, let's say you assign him, pay him a lot of money, you'd be forced to play him. And, yeah, he'll, he'll give, make you some plays in the past game. But, man, can't block work with him. Can't block for shit. He wouldn't be a block. He wouldn't be able to run the ball to the side. That's a shame. No. Evan, I think Evan Ingram's the other guy, and he's another guy who's also just receiver first, blocking, not even second. Right. Um, so yeah, I think and Joku, although he's a receiver first, his blocking has gotten better, and he's certainly a, I don't want to say like a hustle player. That's a little demeaning, but like he is, he right. tries. You know, he like he gives his effort, and that's right. kind of what right. you want, I guess, if if you're not going to be an elite blocker. I have one more question for you. Um, and this is a bit of a point of contention uh, between mm-hmm. us, I think. Uh, you had a take on Twitter, and I'm sure you've gotten a lot of shit about this, that Brandon Eccles has the highest ceiling on this team at corner. And I was going to get to this in the beginning, and then we went off, and I didn't want to disrupt it. But I was like, I can't let this interview end without asking you why you think Brandon Eccles has a higher ceiling than Bryce Hall. I think he's a, I think he's a better athlete. Um, I think Bryce Hall right now is a better player. But we have to remember that Bryce Hall, I mean, granted, his rookie year was kind of up and down in the sense of not his play, but like he didn't, like he was still recovering from his injury. Yeah. He didn't play till like week 10 or something. Right. Um, and this was Echo's first year, you know what I mean? And 
he there there's like a twitchiness that he has. There's like overall speed that he has that I think that there's there's a higher ceiling that can be reached. Obviously, he has a lower floor. A much lower yeah. floor compared to, 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 to we, saw we saw that. Yeah, I had to get I had to get him down my mouth. I know I gotta defend myself for this take, but <laughs> um he obviously has better ball skills in terms of taking the ball away, not getting PBUs. Because I, again, I was talking to somebody on staff, and he told me that people used to hunt by his hall because they know he, he wasn't going to come up with any interceptions. So you tell that for what it is. That uh, like the Jet, Jet fans are a lot higher on Bryce Hall than the Jets staff is. I know people are like, well, Salah said this at the Super Bowl. Salah is going to praise his players no matter what. That's what he right. does. Like, we've seen Salah well, still. Go ahead. And well, the scouting department's different than the coaching staff too. So maybe one loves Bryce Hall more than the other. Mm, I got people on the coaching staff telling me this. Um, Damn. Wow. I'm, I'm just saying, bro. Like you know, like hey, I'm, I'm saying, like again, Bryce is is there's a reason why the Jets feel like cornerback is still a need. Right. Just well, it's need. definitely still a need. Definitely still a need. Okay. But, I'm just saying, like Jet fans are a lot higher on Bryce than the staff is. Um, the staff and obviously front office. I mean, obviously he's a, you got him in the fifth round. So the fact that he's even like an he, he's an NFL starter, like no questions about that. You got that in the fifth round, like yeah. you know, like I, again, like if you were roll with Bryce Hall and Echoes and Michael Carter again going into year two, like that's just a little risky, but you'll be able to still be okay, um, and be able to still get the job done if right. the front seven is better. But yeah, I like uh, Echoes. Athletic ability, ball skills more, and I that's why I think he has a higher ceiling. Now I will throw in this. You remember we had the back and forth when I mentioned um that I guess the Bills Echoes travel with Diggs. Yes, that was yes. I, that wasn't that wasn't uh strategized. That just happened by coincidence. It was uh, a how does how a, does something like that happen by coincidence that you're gonna have your worst starting yeah. outside corner followed like the one of the best route runners in football? Yeah, uh, because they wanted Hall to be matched up with Davis on in the boundary. Okay. And then they wanted Echols to be in the field because he played better in that aspect. And Hall, since he's a bigger a bigger corner, him being on the boundary, he used his length to his advantage. And obviously, since Echols is faster, he could play, you know, in the field, the field part of the field. Obviously, he's playing the field a lot okay. better. And it just happened that. Diggs kept going to the field, right? I see. Um, side of the ball. I mean, you know, that goes hell. He, he did as well as you could for a six round pick rookie against one of the best receivers in the NFL. I mean, there were still plays where Diggs would run up. Yeah. I remember the play he ran like a uh, post corner, and I mean, Echoes almost that, ran to fans. That's well, <laughs> that's what that's what Joe Blewett said to us. Where he's like, there's a difference between a great pick and a great player. And I think that's what with Eccles is, and like Eccles could become a great player. He's right. not a great. He's, he's not a good player right now, but he was a great pick oh. in terms yeah. of what you got. You got a guy that both both guys really. I mean, yeah. the fact that you have two guys who can start, and you right. got them both in on the third day of the draft is is huge. I agree. Yeah. I mean, my my thing is, you know, um, you still want to upgrade that spot because how many teams could Bryce Hall? He's the Jets' best corner right now. How many teams could Bryce Hall start for right now? I think I'd I think half the league. Yeah, like a, a good amount of the league. Fifteen right, teams. 
let, 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 let's go through the exercise. Let's go through the exercise. Cause you know, I mean, I'm, I'm asking, so obviously, okay. you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm about to pull up. Let's go through, um, you know, NFL teams or whatever. I just want to see the names. So let's see. You say half of the teams. So could he start for the Bills? No. Patriots. Uh, no. Patriots? Can you no, start for no. the Patriots? No. I don't know why I had like that moment of thing. I was just thinking about like the contract situation. But All right. Yeah, Dolphin, Dolphin. I think the, the Bills without Tredavious White's a little question. Tredavious White, now let 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 let's <laughs> do the exercise in good faith. <laughs> okay, I mean, with, just to clarify, so does he have to be one of the two best outside corners so he can be yes, first or second yes. best on the team? You yes. know what? I would take I would take Hall over Levi Wallace. Yeah, I say he starts in the Bills. Oh no, bro, because Levi Jay, is pretty solid. Like and and the quarterback the quarterback uh, situation. They still kept it pushing. They were still locking shit down. So I don't know, man. I don't know. Dolphins, obviously, Howard, you know, yeah. Howard and, and Bonnie Jones. Uh, you guys win that one. All right, this is a good one. The Cincinnati Bengals. Let's just start for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes. I, I think he's better than Eli Apple. Yeah, yes, I think so. I agree. And yeah, I've got a better year than him, though. Yeah, I've got a better year than him, though. I mean, uh, I mean, I don't. I feel like it's a. He was a victim of circumstance in a way. I think Cincinnati. That's, also true. That's fair. That's fair. But I think you put Bryce Hall in that situation. I think he has. I think he has a great season. I don't know. I don't feel like. I don't know. I think half the league's a good number. Just for the sake of the discussion, I give you the Bengals. So that's one team. Okay, one team. The Steelers. They start the Steelers. Uh, they got Hayden and. That's a tough one. Hold on. I don't even remember who's the Steelers' corners. Sutton, right? All right. Uh, we'll, 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 put, we'll put that one to, um, to be determined, uh, just for the time purposes. The Browns, <laughs> we, can all, we can all say no. No. Yeah. Ravens, we can say no. Fair. Titans. Maybe. I'd say maybe. On the Titans. <sighs> Over the Jackrabbit? Over Jaguar, no. What about over Fairly and the other the other kid that they have? Um, I forgot dude's name, but Fulton. He hasn't yeah. played. Hasn't played yet. Out or hasn't played much. Right, um, right. So does he start? In, does he start in the Titans? Because I'd give him the Titans. I'd give him the number two in the Titans. All right, cool, cool. I think he would start for. I think he would start for the Colts. I think he would start for the Texans. So we're up to, and I think he would start for the Jags. So he's not for the whole AFC South. So we're about like six teams. Um, I think he was not for the Raiders. I don't think he was not for the Broncos. What about with the Chiefs and the Raiders? Yes, I yes. Say the Chiefs. I mean, okay, they got Ward. Um, who do they got opposite Ward? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, there you go. Geez. I think that's your answer. Yeah, there you go. If we don't know, if we don't know, we go with Hall. That's that's the strategy. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. So we're at what, like six right now? Uh, seven. All right. right. Yeah. So that that's the that's the end. Oh, they got they got they got Legarius Sneed. Yeah, I'll take I'll take Bryce Hall. Opposite Ward. All right, that's cool. Um, the case of got Cowboys. Oh, sorry, so for the Cowboys. Yeah, I'm with the Cowboys. Uh, are we good with that? Mm. All right. You're saying he does or doesn't? I know he doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah, I, I would say no. Okay. What about the Eagles? I would say no. No. Um, what about the um, the Commanders? <laughs> the, the, the Commanders? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, 
on paper i would say no but william jackson did kind of have a bad both of their corners both fuller and jackson weren't that good this year but i, I just going on pedigree i guess i'd say no what about the giants so obviously you got james there uh james he's gonna start but and then a dory jackson i think is the other one yeah i mean so i'd say no probably okay probably so then we go to the packers we don't want to discuss that um the vikings I think you just saw opposite yes. side of Pat I think he starts with the Vikings and yeah, I'd give him the, Vikings and the Bears and Lions. I think that's yeah. a good division for him. Yeah, uh, he's off for the Lions because of oh, the, a Warrior. With, <laughs> I'm trying to pronounce. I forget his name. And they there. have Jeff Okuda. Yeah, that's true. How has he been? I know he, he had a tough he year. Got, he tore his Achilles though. He tore his Achilles. But oh yeah, he had a bad year and then tore his Achilles. I'm sorry. So, so, but the thing is, he was still start though because he number the overall pick. So he would still start regardless. Uh, would he though? Would he though? Over yeah. are we basing it on that though? Or like who would we rather have to help us win a game? Oh, I mean who'd you rather have though? Would you have Tatawan? Would you rather have Jeff Okuda or would you have Rice Hall? I mean Okuda's really Jeff, bad. Jeff Okuda who was really bad coming off of a, uh an injury like that. Uh, I think he starts the lines. I I, I give I, and, you know. and they got uh, Amani or, or or I can't pronounce his name ever. Or Rue Warrior or something. Okay, yeah. so, so, it was always bad. During so what's the number draft. now? What's the number now? It, we're getting close. We're getting close to half. We were at well, almost half, but we're at, we're we're around like what ten? We got three in the NFC North. Um, I think we're like we got the we whole did none in the NFC East, right? Yeah, none in the AFC East. We did like two in couple. the AFC West. Yeah, two in the AFC West and the entire. Let's like eleven. Let's like eleven. Okay, eleven. Let's um, so let's go to the NFC South. The Panthers know. What do you think about the other, the, the corner the corner opposite side of AJ Terrell? I, I think you get that. Who's their guys here? Uh, Moreau, right? Yeah. Um, I I would give him that number two spot. Um, the Saints. I would I would I would I don't I don't think he starts for the Saints. Um, I mean, Lattimore, who they have opposite him this year? Let me see. I know the guy. De- a Paulson, Paulson, a Debo. So, no, I think you're right. I think Bryce. Um, let me see. Okay. So, then we get to – so, basically, the question – I mean, the Bucks. I, I I don't think he starts on the Bucks Because what, what they ask of their quarterbacks, I don't think that would be a yeah. good team fit. Yeah, for, man coverage. Right? A lot of man coverage, zero zero blitzing. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, um, so like basically the whole NFC South is probably has to start for them. And now we go to the NFC West, Rams. No, he starts with Uh, well, Demarius Randall. I think Uh, Ramsey and Darius Williams are their top two. I wouldn't put them on Darius Randall. Uh, I don't know. Darius Williams, I liked. I feel like at the beginning of the season, I, I don't know. He was pretty up and down this year. I mean, Bryce was up and down, though. Yeah, but I don't know. I felt like Darius Williams is a bigger outlier. He's also like 5'9", starting outside. So. <laughs> All right. And then we got the Cardinals. Does he start for the Cardinals? Yes, for the Cardinals, yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah, right. yeah, okay. And then the Niners, I think he probably – I'd say yeah. 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 And the Seahawks, probably. Yes. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, what did we get? 14, 15? 14. All right. All right. Close. I close think we to half. So, you know, at best, you know, he's like, you know, you know, he's like a, in the 20s because there's some teams that, you know, double. So, like, you, you have a corner that's probably not 
what, like top 20? Yeah, I think we can fairly say like he's not a top 20. He's probably like not. He's 20. close though. He's probably right around there. Mm-hmm. I would he's say, close, I would say he's. I would say he's right around 20 and he's a guy entering year three who didn't play half his rookie year. So he's a guy who has some, some room to maneuver upwards. I think, especially if he can I'm not say he has to become a ball hawk, but if he can become right. a playmaker. Well, I mean, I mean, I think that's what's holding him back because it's right. not like his coverage. I mean, key, like he has moments where his coverage is good, but it's not like he has so many plays where he's just locking shit down and, quarterbacks aren't throwing the ball his way. And when they do, he just bats it down because, like, quarterbacks had a passer rate of 106 when targeting Bryce Hall. And he gave him six touchdowns. Um, this year, giving him touchdowns, like, that doesn't bother me that much because, like, you know, it happens. Like, it is what it is. We saw Jalen Ramsey get took for the, that show against Mike Evans in the playoff game, but, like, it happens. But, again, like, you know. He, he does, he's um, not great at playing the ball. He's not great at tracking it. And we've seen that. You know, really, you go back to, like, clips against Elijah Moore in training camp, and he does deflect a lot of passes, which is great, but he does clearly struggle with finding the ball and making plays on it, which does limit your potential. Well, yeah, I I feel like, I mean, especially in today's NFL, getting turnovers is kind of the name of the game. It's like you can give up a lot of yards, but if you're able to force turnovers, especially in big spots, which is, like, kind of a, you know, it's not an easy thing to quantify, I guess, when you're judging a player. But like right. I don't know, I see like Trayvon Diggs getting a lot of hate, and part of that's just because he's a cowboy. But like yeah. the man has 11 interceptions. Like that's mm-hmm. 11 oh shit moments on Sundays. You know what I mean? Like right, right. And, and I understand that he gets beat a lot. He gets beat too he gets beat his fair share. But again, right. the, you know, those game changing plays, the thing about like you know having covered the NFL, like I think another thing that I learned a lot about is like one possession can change the trajectory yeah. of an entire game. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, and, 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 for, and for the mentality of the quarterback and the yeah. Oh, yeah. offense, like everything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like if, if you're up, let's say, you know, you're up seven zip and you intercept the ball, you take it back down to like the 10 and then your offense punches, punches in. Now you're 14 zip. And the NFL, like, like things get queasy when you down 14 points. Right. But also like think about and maybe this wouldn't have helped anything, but if JC Jackson doesn't catch that that interception on the second play of, of the Jets Patriots game or the yeah. first, Zach Wilson's first throw, I think he has a different game because it's yeah. like he threw one interception and then he threw the second one and it's like, oh fuck. I mean, like and then it, I think it was four in the first ten. But and that was a you're right. You're right. you're right about it. that's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah, so I, I think, it, you know, but I as I said, I still think Bryce Hall, this is, I think this is the, the year for Bryce. Year three is normally the year where you really see the, a player make a jump. Like if they're if they're really going to be a great player, you normally see it in year three. And it's like, is he just going to be a solid, good number two corner or is he a number one guy? And you'll see that this year. Right. Um, I, think he's, I think he's a, I think and, he's a good two. And really quickly, you mentioned how the, the staff loves Michael Carter and I, the yes. second. And I love uh, MC Squared as well, and I think he he did a good job as a rookie. But I don't think he had as good of a rookie season as people thought he did. And right. I think Michael certainly. I don't know if you agree with that, but I don't. I mean, I think at this I, I would point, say Nicholas, so. I think he kind. Of, I think he got off to a really good start, and people kind of penciled it in at that point. Right. But then it tailed off, and people kind of ignored it. Right. Yeah, and like Nicholas, the wall. What? Well, nickel corner, essentially today's NFL is a starter. You know what I mean? Like right. it didn't used to be. And so I, I'm not, I don't think, especially with this, this off season with so many holes, like, and you just drafted him, like obviously it doesn't make sense to go try to find competition there or, or 
up I mean, there. I don't, well, you could you could bring back Gidry and have him you know compete again. But so I get the 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 mindset there. But I don't think Michael Carter II is some shoe in solid top ten nickel every year. Like I think I think you saw flashes of it and you're excited about that. But if we're gonna be fair here, right? You you want to be if you're gonna criticize Bryce Hall, I think you also have to criticize MC Squared as well. That's fair. I mean, I mean, again, like it's not like he was again a world beater, like the best in the right. game, but he made a lot fewer mistakes than than than, than Bryce would. You know what I mean? Like there were yeah, games yeah. where, let's be honest, there were games where Bryce messed up and it cost the Jets an opportunity to win a game. Like yeah, um, the Dolphins game, like third and ten. Oh yeah, got the Parker out there, like. He probably, he said he probably hey, I, but he did, he did close a few games for the Jets too. He closed he the Texans. He closed the Texans game, and then he had a big yeah. play against the Tennessee Titans, game. He was really yeah, good. Yeah, Tennessee. He had some some you know big moments. What, there. what, what, about, what about the Falcons game where um, yeah, thirty thirteen. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And the Houston game, if they lost that one, he would be a huge part of it. So you know, it did really balance out for him. Yeah, yeah, it balanced out. Like I, I, th- I think he could turn into a good player, a really good number two. I don't think he's a number one right now. I haven't seen things that maybe think he's number one. Um, I still think that he's better than Eccles right now. I do think Eccles has a higher ceiling because of like the ability to take the ball away, and he's a really, really good athlete. Um, but it's an added position. <laughs> I would rather you get a guy that could be the number, that has potential to become the number one, and you let. Bryce and Echols and Dunn or whatever. It seems like they love Dunn, and he had that good play against Tennessee. I mean, I, be, I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, I think it'd be between Bryce and yeah. and Echols. Um, and you know, let them battle it out. You know what I mean? Um, I think if you ask me, gun to my head, who do I think would win that battle in training camp? It's early though, so obviously things can it's change. All, come on, it's all come on. I think I think Eccles, I think it's 50, 50 I think it's a coin flip. Ooh. You think it's okay. a coin flip? Yes. Yeah, uh, I'm telling you, like, you gotta understand, like, one I, one thing that kind of concerns me about Bryce a little bit, like it doesn't seem like he has that dog mentality that you need to be a great corner, or even like be a good corner. Like long term. I think you still be good, but right. like that that dog yeah, mentality. The mama like, mentality. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't want to go as far as you can say my mom mentality, but I, you know, there's been people on staff that think he doesn't have that. Dog mentality, right? Which the like, I'm gonna, this, this is this is my ball and I'm gonna take it type of thing. You need that quarterback, yeah. like, there is no okay, that's one position where someone can take you deep, a 70 yard touchdown. You got to come right back on the field and act like that never happened, right? So, you know, I, I don't think he's weak mentally. I would never say that I think Bryce, Bryce Hall is weak mentally, I think he is strong mentally. I mean, obviously, like, he's him coming back from his injury. And being able to have productive year two shows you that where he is mentally. But I think, again, there's people on the staff that think he doesn't have that dog mentality that you need to be a legitimate top tier type corner. And they think Echoes has that. And based off of practice that I that I did see, Echoes does have that. Echoes is the guy that used to bark at um, the, the receiver. I remember one practice. It, it might have been the best practice he ever had, or it might have been a different one. But um, I just remember him barking at like Corey Kirby, like, oh, they're holding me. And I'm like, they get open there. You know, it, it was just crazy, right. consistently like barking and, and things like that. And, you know, obviously, he's, he's, I don't want to use the word scrappy, but he kind of is a little scrappy. And you remember, that's a compliment. That's a compliment. Remember, he was, remember, Carl Austin gets hurt against the Packers. Yeah. There's like a fight that breaks out like a few plays later. 
the guy that helped start that was Echoes. Echoes has that type of I'm not taking no shit mentality. Right. Um, and that can go a long way at the corner position. Um, All right. So I think it is a one. Like, I think that there is a lot more. As I say, I better say there is a higher ceiling. There might be a higher ceiling. I will, you know, let me not, let me not tip so. Because we, we do talk sports. Let me not tip so. I believe that Bryce Hall, I mean, Brandon Eccles has. There you go. Yeah, you're going to make highest, a take. I believe that Brandon Eccles for sure has a higher ceiling than uh, Bryce Hall. But Bryce Hall is a better player right now. Right. But they're bringing up one guy. And you have Brandon Eccles and Bryce Hall battling it up. I'm putting my money on the Juco kid. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's Bob, come on. And Hall could win that. Bob putting my money on the Juco kid. I'm just saying. Okay. All right. Hey, I, I hope so. I hope so. I just want – I don't care if it's Isaiah Dunn, Eccles, or Hall. Like, we just need a consistency at that spot. And then I hope they go and add somebody opposite him. I know Michael's. It seems like Michael, at least from what I, from what you were tweeting, seems like you're getting on the Sauce Gardner train. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd be on board for it. But I mean, I mean, on you your want to talk about you want to talk about dog mentality. I mean, that guy. I, I just want to say in your Eccles take look, it's perfectly reasonable. Whenever you have something that's different but reasonable, I think that's great. You know, because you can be different and like go away from the popular opinion, but if you have a good reason for it. It's absolutely fine, and so like like I agree with Ben. Like I would I would go with Hall, but that's fine. That I'm I definitely every, every point you made I think is is great. So um, the athleticism I think is the biggest thing because yeah. Hall is has great size. I think he moves well for that size, and yeah. you know he uses his length to make plays on the ball. Even though he doesn't track the ball well, he has so much size that he still plays it pretty well. But Eccles, I think we saw the season. You know one play that comes to mind is play against Miami. Right. Um, the pass deflection that he made where he actually did get beat, but he showed really good makeup speed and that's really important. So I think the athleticism is a big part of that. Yeah, I agree. One thing I'm going to come with a different take, like a, like a take that kind of is a little bit different that goes against the norm. It's going to be based in football, like legitimate football right. ideology. Right. It's not going to be just me throwing some shit to the wall, hoping it sticks. No, it's like it's things that I'm seeing with my eyes and looking at some numbers and re-watching the film and think, okay, I see something there and I'm going to go with this and this is just how I feel, you know? Um, and, and, and and that's kind of that. And I, and I will say, you know, this has nothing to do with anything that we're talking about. Um, but if Garrett Wilson runs like a four, let's say he runs a four three, he'll probably become my, my receiver number one. I dude, I love Garrett Wilson. I don't know. I don't. I think you watched the Carl Aftis OSU game, or I think the Purdue Ohio State game. I think I saw you talking about He he just he looked like a man of my boys. Yeah, I mean he he looks he looks like a a Devonte Adams or Justin Jefferson type receiver like coming out. I'm not saying he is immediately, but just around running, he's just so polished that it's like uh, that guy. Unless he gets injured, knock on wood, that guy's a good NFL player, and especially in the system. Period. Period. Without, like I, I said, he has the highest floor without, without a doubt. Like I don't want to say there's zero bust potential because you never know. Right. But like, it's as low as you can get with a guy. Like it's that. a high floor and a high ceiling with yeah. route running like that, separation after the catch, athleticism. I mean, he has the whole package yeah. outside of being like six four. Yeah. Because you know, he, even though he didn't have too many jump ball opportunities, a lot of that is because he was just, a, you know, instant separator. There were still a few times where you really got to see him go up, just, you know, flex that catch radius and bring right. it down. So I think he's certainly in play as well. Um, yeah, DJ, I, I feel like, I feel like we could talk 
all day. And I feel uh, bad because it is a Saturday night. I don't want to take your whole night away from you. Yeah, I have to be a talk with my best friend. Okay, so <laughs> we'll get out of here. Um, but I guess, uh, I mean, I'm sure we're going to definitely talk to you again this offseason. Uh, Hopefully. So. Y'all had me on last year. Y'all never brought me back. We're, we're horrible. Like, I, well, I also, I don't want to, like, you know, I don't want to ask too many times, if that makes sense. Because, because then, then that puts you in a position of, like, having to say no or you feel bad about saying no. But if you nah. want to be on, DJ, we will have you on as much as you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm on. You, listen, my, my DMs are always open. Man, you have my number. Right? Yeah, and you can get the smoke and match. You can me for your, 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 your journalism thing. Like, that's true. That's true. DJ helped you know, me out. You, you know, I'm not going to say no to you guys. All right, all right. We'll we'll hit you up again. Oh, hey, we got free agency next month. The draft yeah. after that. Yeah. Mini camp. Then we're gonna have a month where nothing is. So we definitely need stuff to talk about. And then training camp. We're gonna want observations. So, yeah, all right. Sure. We'll we'll be hearing from you. And, and as I said, you can always get the smoke on Madden. We can stream that. Yeah, yeah. Most definitely. I, I, but I'm gonna get the Ravens this time. Okay. I'm gonna get the Ravens this time. So. I'll, I'll beat you with your own team. I'll go with the Dolphins. You won't beat me with the you won't beat me with the Dolphins if I have the Ravens. We'll see. We'll I know how to beat the Dolphins. I'm, I'm, Mike, Mc, I'm Mike McDaniel on the sticks with Tua. No, brother. Oh brother. I mean, I ain't gonna lie, Madden. Like you would think Tua if you use him right, Tua looks great on Madden. Yeah, throwing with lefty quarterbacks though in that game is pretty hard. It throws everything off. It, it, yeah, it, it like, shouldn't, but it really does feel like completely different. I know. So. All right. Well, uh, DJ, I get, I mean, if anybody's, let's just be honest, anybody who's listening to this podcast knows who you are, is following you. But is there anything uh, you'd like to plug, uh, whether Twitter, your Instagram articles coming out? I mean, uh, it is kind of a bit of a, a bit of a downtime until the combine, trying to find things to write about. So, um, but I mean, let our listeners know what's, what's in, in the pipeline. Believe it or not, I know I, uh, I was at crapped on the cornerback room, but. <laughs> We had an honest conversation about them, but I do have a feature coming out on the, the, their cornerbacks coach Tony Odin, who um, did a really good job with them. So I have that coming yeah. out um, hopefully Monday. I got to talk to my editor. Um, he's been moving like a snail, but that's not here nor there. <laughs> um, but that, that that should be coming out Monday. Um, you know, just writing about Tony Odin and just the job that he did. You'll hear quotes from Gidry, Carter, and Eccles. That's awesome. And well, he's also the guy who came, who, you know, in 2020, when he came to the Niners, like he, he implemented yep. a lot more man coverage stuff into their scheme. Yep. Um, yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We, 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 had, we, we had, we had some good, uh, we had, a, I interviewed him a couple of times. It was, it was, it was good, man. Uh, That's awesome. I mean, the one thing I do like about the staff, like a lot of them, they just seem like human beings in a sense yeah. that they're not so like robotic, like they'll, like shoot the shit with you and have regular conversations about things. You know what I mean? Like Tony Odin's hilarious. Like he's a goofball in every sense of the definition. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, that's coming out on um, hopefully Monday, if not Monday, Tuesday, whenever the bleeper gets out, but that'll be awesome. So be on the lookout for that. Awesome. Awesome. Definitely looking forward to that. Those position coaches, man. I mean, they, you can't be overstated enough how important they are having good position coaches. Cause those are the guys that really get to work hands on and develop somebody when you talk about like mechanics and doing your Absolutely. job. All right. Well, DJ, thank you so much uh, for joining us for everybody else. You can follow us at CYJ pod on Twitter, Michael, Michael underscore Nanny and myself, Ben W. Blessington go to jetsxfactor.com for the best place to go for jets content. We're recording this Saturday night. I think it'll be out probably Monday morning. Um, we'll probably just wait. So everybody will know the results of the super bowl. No point in talking about it, but hopefully everybody had a great weekend. Uh, 
getting off to a good start for you the rest of your week. I sound like Lisa Wilson. I'm gonna get out of here <laughs> doing some self-motivational uh, stuff. Um, but everybody have a great week. Go Jets.